following audio is from Connection Church, located in Brownstown, Michigan, a place where you can connect, worship, and serve. For more information about Connection, go to cconline.church. We continue now with our scripture reading uh, for this uh, morning. Our scripture reading comes from the Gospel of John, uh, the 15th chapter. You can follow along. We're starting at verse 15 with the words on the screen, or if you have a Bible in front of you or a smartphone device, feel free to, to bring that out and follow along with us. John 15, starting in verse 15, says this, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If, you ke- if they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, again, welcome uh, to all of you to Connection Church. Again, my name is Pastor Andy. Uh, so when you are starting something new, when you're um, maybe going on a new adventure, new like journey, you're starting a new job, you're, you're introducing someone new to your family, whatever the case may be, whenever you're doing something new, there's always expectations that come with it. You always have in the back of your mind expectations of what it's going to be like, of what you're going to have to do, of what's going to happen to you as you go through it. There's always expectations. You know, one of the things that, that, that I get to do as a pastor is I get to, to be a part of people when they get married, uh, and I get to officiate that, and I get to sit down with the wedding couple uh, beforehand and do some pre-marriage counseling and get to talk to them uh, through what they're expecting about their marriage. And sometimes uh, you, you hear people, and before they get married, they, they kind of think it's going to be like Jerry Maguire. Anybody see that movie, Jerry Maguire? Yeah, the you complete me. You know, they're like, listen, we're going to get married, and, and this person's going to complete me. They're going to they're gonna fulfill all of my deepest wants and needs. They're going to make me happy all of the time. You know, we're not going to ever really fight, maybe only over the small things, but never really like big fights. No, we're way beyond that. We're such a good couple. Now, I say all that, and I can see some people kind of nodding along like, okay, yeah, but what's going on? So, so that's kind of that expectation that they're setting for the marriage is, is probably rose-colored glasses, not quite what the reality is going to be. As beautiful as marriage can be, that's a pretty high bar that's probably not going to reach. And it's not just marriages, but also having expectations when you're, you're going off to college, when you're starting a new job. All of these things you have expectations for, and a key part of expectations is making sure that you set them at the right level. You set them accordingly so that you know what you're getting into. You know what is going to happen to you when you step in to that new venture. Now, I bring this up because this is very applicable to, to where we are in our message series. Uh, we're in a message series called The Journey Ahead. And the big idea of this message series is that, 
that all of us, no matter who you are, uh, even if you don't know anything about Jesus, the reality is that he has us all on a journey. He has a next step for each and every single one of us that he's calling us to take. Maybe it's just simply coming to church and that's like a huge step that God has asked us to take, but maybe it's something else for you. And so God has us all on a journey of following after him. And the thing that we need to remember is that, that as we follow him, we need to know what to expect. We need to get our expectations into a, a good and healthy spot so we know what will happen to us. And Jesus is, is giving us on this journey some truths, some promises to carry on, to pack into our backpack, so to speak. And today, what we're going to talk about is, is this truth that Jesus gives us in this gospel lesson from John 15. And the truth that, that Jesus is giving to us to, to pack, to carry with us, to get our expectations right, is this. Don't be surprised by struggle. The truth that he asks us to carry with us as we follow him, as we take that next step that he's calling us to, don't be surprised by struggle. I'm going to turn to John 15 again. You can follow along again if you have a Bible with you. If you have your phone, feel free to follow along with that. But I'll, that's where we'll be camping out. To give a little bit of context of John 15, the, the message, the, the passages we just read. So John 15 is happening uh, when Jesus is having a kind of a farewell dinner with his disciples. He's sitting down with his disciples over a meal and he's having a conversation with them. He's, he's conveying to them the important things that he wants them to know. And he doesn't say it, John doesn't explicitly say it, but, but many people believe that, that this is the Last Supper. So that's kind of the, when this is taking place is that this is the, the night before Jesus will be betrayed and led to the cross. And so he's having this last meal with his disciples. And oftentimes when we think about, like when we have to say goodbye to someone or we know we're not going to see someone for a while, oftentimes we, we approach those and we're like, what's the, what's the most important stuff that I have to share with them? Like if, if you're saying goodbye to a loved one, whatever the case may be, oftentimes that forces us to say, hey, what are the most important things that I want to share? That's what Jesus is doing in these passages. He's sharing some important stuff with his disciples and with us. So let's look at John 15, specifically verse 15. Jesus says this, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. All that I have heard from the Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I want to pause here, and I want us to just sit and dwell and marinate in this reality for a moment. You know, many people have these images of, of who God is, of what God is like, and, and the friends that I have that, that maybe aren't connected to, to church, a common image, and even sometimes people in the church, they have this common image of God who he's like a cop just waiting for you to mess up, to give you the ticket, to kind of bring the gavel down and say, look, you, you messed up. And I'm here to, to bring the law down, bring the punishment down. Or we think of God as this, this distant, bearded guy who, who doesn't really care about what goes on in our daily life. He's just ambivalent. He kind of created things and just let it go. Both of those images are completely wrong. They're completely wrong. And Jesus shares with us in just these couple verses, this one verse, who God is and what he is like. 
These truths that he's sharing with, with us about who God is, firstly, he says this, that, that he calls us his friend. Now, we can skim past that, but, but I want you to realize that Jesus could have called us a whole bunch of different things. <laughs> but he calls us his friend. He calls you his friend. He doesn't call you like, like servant. He doesn't call you like someone that he can just manipulate. He doesn't call you whatever. He calls you his friend. And that's who you are to God. You are his friend. Secondly, Jesus also continues, and he says this, listen, whatever you want to know about God, all the different questions you have, all the struggles you have, all the doubts you have about if God is real, who he is, what he's like, how he feels about you, all of those questions, Jesus says, look to me, because I'm showing you everything you need to know about God. Everything you need to know about God, you can look to Jesus and say, how does God feel about me? Well, let me look to Jesus. What does Jesus say? He says he's my friend. He says he loves me. He says he cares for me. He says that, that he created me, that he walks with me. And we see how far he's willing to go through Jesus' life and his death. So we look to Jesus to see exactly who God is. And then thirdly, don't miss this, Jesus says that he chose us. He chose you to be in his family. He chose you. We didn't, we didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We didn't somehow figure out how to manipulate the system, how to do exactly the right things. No, Jesus chose you because he loves you. He picked you to be in his family. That is what he says. I don't know if you remember uh, middle school gym class and like dodgeball stuff, like when you, you played team games. Like, wasn't that the worst <laughs> That was the worst. I don't know. Maybe some of you had a great time and you're like the, the popular people, super athletic and good for you. Awesome. I was not that way. I was not that way. I was always like picked like last or like second to last. You know, they're picking the teams and you just hear everybody's name and you're just standing there just waiting. Is any gonna, anybody going to pick me? Maybe you felt like that not just in middle school. Maybe you feel like that even now. Like, does anybody want me? Jesus says this, that I I want you. I chose you. Not because you're awesome, but because I love you. Not because of anything you did. I've earned it for you. That's what Jesus says. Some of us need to hear that today. (laughs) Some of us just need to hear that truth and hang on to it and say, yes, that is what you, you have for me today, Jesus, is you chose me because you love me. But Jesus continues. Picking up in verse 18, he continues talking. He says this, If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So Jesus gives this amazing comfort, this amazing word of his love and his choosing of us. He gives us this incredible thing that we, amen, and then all of a sudden he takes a turn and it gets like super depressing. <laughs> gets super serious and Jesus like kind of sneaks up on us. He's like, oh, by the way. And what's Jesus doing here? Jesus is, is, is saying this. He's, he's making sure that we know what, our, what the right expectation should be. In following him, 
Don't be surprised by struggle. That's what he's saying. He wants to make sure that we're not ignorant, that we're not unaware of what may happen as we follow him. I mean, it's just, it makes sense, though, because if you think about Jesus, what happened to him? <laughs> he was crucified and left for dead. <laughs> and if we're going to follow him, what makes us think that, that we're going to face anything different? You know, we as Americans, we may not, we're, we're not going to face that, but rejection, but, but pushback, but, but some sort of uncomfortability. Don't be surprised when that happens. That's what Jesus is telling us today. Now, I could end the sermon right here. I could send you on your way. I'm, I'm in. Go home. Someone's like, okay, how was church today? What did you guys talk about? Well, pastor said that, that Jesus calls us to follow him and life's going to be hard. It's going to sometimes be kind of sucky, uh, but we got to get over it. <laughs> we could end it there and I could send it, but we're not going to. We're not going to end it there because there is good news in all of this. There is good news. But I do want us to, to recognize that, that following Jesus is going to inherently involve struggle and pushback and uncomfortability. It comes with the territory. It invites it from, from the world around us that would not want to follow Jesus. So here's the question I do want us to focus on. Knowing that, taking the rose-colored glasses off, knowing that struggle will happen, here's the question. How will we respond to it? That's the question that we should look through. How will we respond to struggle, to pushback, to suffering, to pain? How will we respond to that as we follow Jesus on this journey? You know, I mentioned earlier about one of the great joys of, of pastoral ministry is, is walking with couples in premarriage and marrying them. And when you think about married couples specifically, um, there's oftentimes two different types of couples when hard times hit, when, when hard circumstances hit them, there's really two types of couples. Uh, one, the first couple, when, when hard times hit, when, when bad things happen, they rally together, they seem to wrap their arms around each other, and they pull closer together, and they say, listen, this is hard, this is painful, but I'm going to hold on to you, you're going to hold on to me. And on the other end of the struggle, on the other end of the hardship, they're stronger for it. They're stronger because they went through the struggle. And then there's a, the, another type of couple that, that struggle, that hardship can, can wedge itself in between them, can wedge itself in between them and, and begin to kind of push them apart from one another. Maybe not even because of anything one person does, but just they let it happen and they begin to drift apart from one another. The same thing is true with us following Jesus. When struggle hits, when hard times hit us, when, when struggle is, is in front of us, we can either use it as an opportunity to, to get drawn closer to him, or we can allow it to enter in the middle of us and push us away from him. I invite you to, to see struggle in your life, to see the, the hardships that happen as opportunities to to grow closer to him, to experience more of his grace and his love and his mercy in your life. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, Paul was a, was a pastor and a church planter. In one of the letters that he wrote to a church some thousands years ago, he said this. 
He said, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. In other words, here's what Paul's saying. He's saying that the struggles that he faces, the hardships that he's going through, the pain that he is enduring, it's not a good thing. He's not saying hardships and suffering and pain is good, but what he is saying is that he can, he can face it dead on. He can face it square on and see it as an opportunity to draw him closer to Jesus to draw him closer and and experience more of his love and grace in his life. That is what Paul is saying. And you may be hearing this and be like, that's all well and good, Andy, for for Paul or for, for other people. But I just don't quite understand how struggle, how pain, how how this suffering that we face as we follow Jesus can actually draw us closer to him. How, how in the world could that actually be? And, and with the time I have left, I would just want to simply give you three reasons, three, three ways that the struggle, that the hardships, that the pain that we experience can actually help draw us closer to Jesus. First way is this, that, that the struggle that we go through, the hardships that we face, reveal our need for Jesus. They reveal our need for Jesus. So occasionally I uh, get motivation uh, to like, hey, I should get into like good like endurance strength. I should get like, uh, I don't know, just better shape overall. Uh, I get this like random urge to do it. And it's like, well, a lot of people go running to accomplish that. Let me just get on my, I got shoes, I got shorts. I can just hop on out and just boom, just go. Uh, here's, here's what happens whenever I do that. I just think like, oh yeah, I can handle this. I get to like the edge of this room and I'm like on the floor <laughs> gasping. I'm like out of breath. I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't, I can't go another foot. Now maybe some of you are like that. Maybe some of you are runners in here and you guys are weirdos, but we love you. God loves you. But, but here's what I want you to know, that, that as I run, it exposes the reality that, that my lungs are weak, that my legs can't handle it, that I am in need of more, more training, I need to actually put more effort in and get a better system in place in order for me to improve. Now, here's why I tell you that, because the act of running, as painful as it is, it exposes my need that I lack the endurance, that I need to work harder, that I need to train more in order to get that better. It exposes my need. And in the same way, the struggles that we face, the hardships that we go through, they expose our need for Jesus. One of the greatest myths for us as Americans is that we are self-sufficient. And it is very easy for us as, as 21st century Americans who live in the suburbs. We got all these fancy amenities. It's easy for us to actually believe, hey, <laughs> I got this. I can handle all this. It's easy for us to believe that. And what struggle does is it forces us to come face to face with the reality that that is a lie. 
that that is a myth. I'm not self-sufficient. You're not self-sufficient. And the struggle that we go through, the hardships we endure, expose that in us and force us to, to realize I can't totally depend on myself. I need to look outside of myself in order to, to get strength, in order to, to make it through this life. I need to look outside of myself. And the scriptures are very clear that, that God does not cause this hardship. He does not cause this suffering in our life. But but it also talks about how he is a loving parent. He's a loving parent who, who loves us as his children so much that sometimes he will allow the suffering. He will allow the hardships to endure in order for us to put our dependency not on ourselves, but on him. To realize we are not self-sufficient. We need him, that we are utterly dependent on God and that Jesus has met us in that need. That is spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is not you sinning less. It is not you showing people how pious and how awesome of a Christian you are. That isn't spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is you recognizing and me recognizing that deep down, I am utterly dependent on Jesus. That is spiritual maturity. And so it invites, what struggle does is it reveals our need for Christ. And then secondly, struggle awakens our appreciation for Christ. So before, uh, we have uh, my wife Katie and I, we have a little four-month-old daughter, Andre. You guys can go and see her after the service. She is super cute. Um, So before we had Andre, uh, we would talk about like what type of parents we would be and we would look at like the example that our parents did for us and sometimes we'd look at the examples of of other parents, other friends of ours who were parents, other family members and we would say to ourselves like every now and again like we're going to do things right. (laughs) We're going to do it the right way. We're not going to make those mistakes that our parents made. We're not going to like we're going to figure it out and Andre is going to be the best behaved child. She's going to be incredible. She's going to contribute to society because we're going to do everything right. Because yeah, that's what we're going to do. Now fast forward now. She's about four months old. Uh, Here's what I know. I knew nothing about parenting before I became a parent. (laughs) Kids teach you that. And here's what it did. It it forced me going through the struggle. Now, Andre's a, a very good baby, but listen, she's still a four-month-old. She's still a baby. And it awakened in me this appreciation for my parents that I never had before. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, parents, I think you can understand this. Like, I look back and I'm like, man, if I was like this when I was a kid, my parents are saints. <laughs> See what that does? The struggle, the hardship, it awakens an appreciation for other people around us that we didn't have before. And that doesn't just have to be for parents. That's also for for kids as you you grow up and you kind of venture out of the nest. You you go to college, you enter the workforce, you, you get your house for the first time, you start to get those adult bills, and all of a sudden you start realizing like, Oh my goodness, there's so much pressure and weight to do all these things that like normal functioning adults have to do and my parents still had to put up with me on top of all of that. Man, I did not thank them enough. See what I mean? That, That struggle awakens the appreciation for others. And in the same way, the struggle that we go through, the hardships that we face, though they aren't good, they awaken our appreciation for Jesus when we realize what he went through for us. 
Jesus, after he had that meal with his disciples, he went to the the garden that was nearby. And he went and he prayed in that garden. And he was was contemplating, he was envisioning the the next step for him that that was the cross, the physical torture that he was about to go through. He was contemplating that. And it says in the scriptures that when he was praying, that it was literally sweating drops of blood. The stress, the agony was so much for him. But it wasn't just the physical torment, the physical torture that he was going through, but he was also realizing the spiritual hardship that he was about to endure. Because he said to the Father, he says, Father, if it is your will, let this cup pass from me, but if it is your will, your will be done. And he uses this image of the cup. And what's he talking about? In the Old Testament, it was often called the cup of wrath. It was the cup that, that contained all of the judgment, all of the punishment for the evil, for the wickedness that happens in our world. And the Old Testament says that there's coming a day when that cup is going to be poured out on the evil, on the injustices that happen in our world. And Jesus is realizing that cup, I'm going to willingly take it. I'm going to take it on me. All the evil that has happened in our world, past, present, and future, Jesus says, I'm going to take it all on me. That's what he went through. So that we would be forgiven, so that we would not face that, so that we would be given life and grace and mercy. So now, when we go through the struggle and we say, I'm going through this and I can't even handle this, we don't look at our circumstance, but we look to Jesus and we look to the cross and we realize, man, I can't even handle this, but you went through all of that for me. And when you do that, it awakens the appreciation that you have. Because I can't even handle this, and yet you handled all of that because you love me. And it awakens the appreciation. It draws out the affection that we have for all that Jesus did. And in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the hardship, we can say, God, you are still good. And we can give him glory even when we're suffering. And when we do that, it brings him great glory. And that's the third thing that, that the struggle does. It, it shows our need for Jesus. It awakens our affection, our appreciation for Jesus, but it also gives us an opportunity to give Jesus glory and honor. That is what it does. Jesus in John 17, he, uh, he's giving what's called the high priestly prayer is what it's called in John chapter 17. He's praying to the Father, and we actually have it written down. It's a lengthy prayer, but I just want to read an excerpt from it. And he's actually praying for us. Like in that prayer, he is praying for you, you, literally you. He's praying for all future believers. And so hear what he has to say. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. That's what Jesus is is saying and what he's praying. And just before this, Jesus said that he was about to glorify the Father. And how was he going to glorify the Father? By going to the cross. And he says that in his suffering, in his pain, he was going to, to spread the love, the grace of 
of God through that, and that in that suffering of the cross that God would be glorified. And then he looks to you and to me, and he says, we will glorify him. How? By picking up our own little crosses and giving him the, the glory, the praise, even when, when we're overwhelmed. And that brings him glory. It's easy to, to give God glory when we're hashtag blessed. It's easy to do that. The hard part is when, when we're in the struggle, when we're in the hardships, to say to ourselves and to say to the world around us, God, you are still good. God, you are still good. And when we do that, it brings him incredible glory. And that is a powerful witness that we get to give to the world around us. So usually uh, what they teach us at seminary for us future pastors, what they teach us is that when you conclude the message, when you wrap it all up, you got to kind of tie a bow around it. You got to kind of summarize all the main points so people can take it and kind of walk out the door with it and they remember it. Um, Rather than me coming up with something like super witty and like super amazing, uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to read to you what Jesus says. I'm going to give you Jesus's words as his summary of that dinner that he had with his disciples. Jesus said these words. He said it to his disciples, but he also says it to us today. Hear this. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have troubles, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Dear friends, don't be surprised when struggle hits us as we follow Jesus on this journey. But take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. He has lived for you, he has died for you, and he has risen from the dead for you, and he gives you his peace. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Connection Church. We pray it was a blessing to you, and we hope to see you soon. For worship times and more information about Connection, go to cconline.church.